hey, hey, it is May, and that means that I am celebrating mom's big time over here at Mama Simpatico. Because Mother's Day is this month, I want to offer free mom life check-ins to both village members and non-village members. So if you could use a little live virtual support, connection, laughter, a place to shed a tear, or just to spend an hour with moms who get it, come hang out with me and fellow mamas. Head on over to mamasimpatico.com backslash momlifechecken, all one word, no hyphens, to sign up. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Mom School, where I help busy and stressed moms like you create a more joyful, balanced, and fulfilling mom life journey. My name is Lacey Newton, and as a mom of two and creator of Mama Simpatico, I understand the challenges of motherhood all too well. And through my own journey of discovery, I've learned the power of mindfulness in helping me move from surviving to thriving. I want to help you intentionally create a mom life that feels good and is aligned with who you are and who you are becoming. So join me on this journey to raise the tide of happiness and mom life for all of us mamas. Now, let's dive into today's episode. When you take the time to care for yourself, you take care of the world. And when moms support themselves, they are supporting a whole new generation. I truly believe this. And in this episode, I'll talk about why. This is the fourth and final episode in a series of four about how we can approach utilizing mindfulness as a remedy for our most challenging emotional experiences in mom life. Things like anxiety, depression, burnout, anger, loneliness, mom guilt, and so many more. In this episode, I will share two invaluable benefits of following the process anchored by our story for the month, The Scientist and the Flight, and you'll discover a useful practice in real life to grow feelings of connection to others throughout the day. And just a reminder of the skills we've learned thus far this month, in week one, we learned to observe our present situation objectively like a scientist, and our pearl, or practice in real life, was to take a snapshot of our inner and outer worlds. In week two, we faced what is probably the hardest part for most of us, our troubling, intense emotional experiences. We sat with them through the process of deep self-compassion, like a good friend, and followed them to shine a flashlight on our path forward. Week three, we discussed how to skillfully move toward where we want to go, like an airplane pilot, through the process of nonviolent communication, or NVC. We discussed the NVC principle that uncomfortable and unpleasant emotions arise when our needs are not being met, and through the four-part process of communication with others or ourselves, we begin to have more needs met and experience more comfortable and pleasant emotions. The pearl this week was the four steps of nonviolent communication. Here is the final reading of the story of the scientist in the flight. Thank you to everyone who has heard it now for the fourth time. It's my hope that by hearing it several times, it becomes a very tangible anchor for you as you move through your days, and it helps you navigate some of the trickiest emotions. Okay, here goes. A scientist suddenly wakes up confused and startled. Realizing she is in an airport terminal waiting to board a plane, 
Calm washes over her as she remembers she is on her journey. Her eyes scan the area, noticing two young lovebirds cuddling and gazing into each other's eyes. She feels warmth in her heart, remembering how her experiences of young love felt. Next to them is an elderly man with a well-worn white t-shirt that says, World's Best Grandpa. Across the walkway, she sees a woman in black sitting perfectly still, staring off in the distance without looking at anything in particular. One tear slowly rolls down her left cheek. The scientist is struck by how the woman doesn't wipe it away. A furious voice draws her attention. A red-faced woman with darting arms is arguing with whoever is on the other end of her phone. She only quiets to listen to the announcement that it's time to board the plane and rushes to the boarding line. The scientist quickly takes a photo of the scene on her phone before gathering up her belongings. Among the last to board the plane, the scientist makes her way to her assigned seat. As she walks past the full plane of passengers, she sees an empty middle seat up ahead on the left. In the seat by the window is the sad woman. The aisle seat is taken by the angry one. As she manages her way into her seat, she considers the hours ahead of her seated in the middle of these two women. She decides the best she can do is offer her smile, her ear, her understanding. Maybe it's the close physical proximity and eminent end to their time together, but the women open up to her. Sitting with them as the hours pass, she develops a deep understanding for their struggles. They share, cry, laugh, and offer each other kindness like old friends. The plane eventually touches down on the runway and taxis to a stop. The pilot makes their final announcement. All right, folks, with your patience and a series of skillful maneuvers up here in the cockpit, we've safely landed where you intended to arrive. The women look at each other and wish each other well. As she nears the plane's door, the scientist hears the flight attendant saying goodbye to each and every passenger. I hope you choose to fly with us again the next time you need to change it up. May you live your biggest life. She feels his sincerity as he says it to her as she too approaches the door. She thanks him. The scientist takes her first few steps off the plane and notices the thought, I wonder what is going to happen next. So today we are focusing on the last part of the story where the flight attendant says a sincere goodbye to each and every person and invites passengers to fly with the airline again the next time they need to change it up. This episode's subtitle is The Human for two reasons. With the process anchored in this story, we connect to the collective human experience and we become kinder humans. Let's break these two ideas down a little further. When we approach our struggles with the process our story guides us through, we connect to the collective human experience. Sitting with and understanding our emotions helps us feel less alone. The emotions we experience can often feel intensely unique to us, especially if we have the mind habit of considering our emotions a problem. But through a mindful approach to seeing, understanding, and taking skillful action, as would the scientist, friend, and pilot, we can begin to feel the inherent humanness of our situation and emotions. We come to deeply know that even though we may seem to be in a unique situation, 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of people all over the world are experiencing something similar at this exact moment. This is especially true when one of our skillful responses to our emotions is a self-compassion break. Kristen Neff developed the three components of a self-compassion break. The first is the awareness of the difficult moment. The second is to connect to a common humanity. The third is to offer yourself kindness. If you'd like a little more on self-compassion, check out the free 7 Days to Self-Compassion audio course linked in the show notes below. Knowing that we aren't the only ones experiencing mom guilt and grief and anger and depression and anxiety within the circumstances that we are in, like being a single parent or not sure if the next paycheck will be enough or the loss of a child or struggling with a health issue, this connection to the greater sense of humanness takes a bit of the sting off the suffering. Okay, the second reason for the human subtitle to this episode is that we become kinder humans. In our story, the flight attendant sincerely wishes everyone to live their biggest life as they exit the plane. And that's a reminder that when we practice mindfully showing up for our emotions and our feelings in the way anchored by the story, that we get to a place where we sincerely wish for all people to be happy and healthy and as that pilot says, live their biggest life. A side note here, if you aren't there yet, and not even in the ballpark of wishing happiness for all people, that's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself first. That would actually be my recommendation. Start where you can. Some people even have a hard time wishing happiness and health for themselves. And if this is you, wishing this for any being who does sincerely spark this wish is actually the place to start. So maybe your child or a pet or a mentor would work too. So as we continue with these practices, when we know our deep and intense emotional experiences, we naturally connect with others more easily and on a deeper level and experience more compassion for others. It's nothing that we need to force. There are practices that we can do, but we don't have to at this point. And we don't need to be hard on ourselves if we aren't ready for it. But when you are ready, just knowing that compassion isn't just giving away all of your energy, time, or money, and compassion actually has a surprising effect. As the Dalai Lama says, the first person to benefit from compassion is the one who feels it. So compassion is good for us, and there are scientific studies that demonstrate this too. There are studies showing incredible personal benefits to compassion meditation, like loving kindness, for example. In her research, Barbara Fredrickson found that people who practiced loving-kindness meditation had an increased sense of positive emotion, a sense of purpose, sense of social support, and a reduction in depressive symptoms. Notice the self-reporting here. The participants here in the study had a sense of positive emotion, a greater sense of positive emotion, a greater sense of purpose, a greater sense of social support, and a reduction of depressive symptoms. This practice shifts our perspective. Nothing else in the environment of the participants was changed, but they did practice a compassion-based meditation. Now, I want to make sure us mamas do tread a little lightly here. We are often experiencing burnout from giving more to others than is healthy. 
This giving can lead us to depletion, and we are not going to add compassion to the list of things that you have to do, but you might play with it once you've moved out of survival. So rather, when we deeply know our burnout, compassion for others experiencing burnout rises to the surface quite naturally. When we deeply know that a few words of understanding mean so much to us during a dark moment, we might respond to another's moment of suffering with similar kindness, the kindness of really knowing that human experience. So for now, just do your practice and keep a watch on how your compassion for others does or does not shift. I'd also like to invite you for a moment to consider what deeply knowing your emotional world would mean for your ability to connect with your partner or your children. When your child is having a moment of struggle, how would this ability of yours impact the way you show up? For example, let's say you've been avoiding your tense emotional experience around a friendship ending. What might you be more inclined to do if your child experiences feeling rejected by peers? Or, on the other hand, let's say that you've been really showing up for yourself and your emotions around a friendship ending. How would that impact the way you show up for your child's experience of feeling rejected by peers? I remember a mindful moment I had with my husband about a year into parent life. It was a rough year. I struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety. I worked full-time, and the days felt so long. And not only that, suddenly my husband and I didn't feel like a team anymore. We struggled with our connection. I had been meditating most of the year and working on my own emotional and mental wellness. And one night we were having dinner, and I honestly don't even remember what sparked this mindful moment, but I suddenly realized that he was struggling too. I asked him and he confirmed it, but it seemed to be a realization for him as well. I had been thinking that because I was the one who gave birth, the one who was healing physically, hormonally, and emotionally, and because I was the one handling the majority of the mental load, that I was the one going through a hard point in time. But it wasn't just me. The whole time that we were struggling together, I was confused by his behavior but at that moment, I realized I was confused by his behavior because he was doing the best that he could while he was also struggling. That moment for me was powerful and helped shift our conversation back towards connection. So because I knew my own struggle through my practices during this year, I finally was able to see his. So I would also like to invite your openness to the idea that knowing your struggle your pain and suffering might help you ease tensions with the most difficult people in your world. When we practice this process of the scientists and the flight, and we stop and consider why people act in hurtful ways, we can begin to see that they are acting out from their own intense emotional suffering. This is even true for people who trigger our own stress and struggle. So that coworker who is incredibly unhelpful and triggers your frustration for work is acting that way because they are struggling. There is something there for them that triggers their behavior that has nothing to do with you. If their needs were met or their relationship to the trigger shifted, their behavior would too. This is very full circle here. And this leads me to our parting thought for this series of episodes. 
With mindfulness, you can become awake to your biggest struggles because it offers you a path forward. Mindfulness gives you a perspective on emotions that they aren't who you are, that they don't mean anything about how lovable or valuable you are. Your big emotions are a flashlight in the dark. They are guidance, not something that needs to be fixed or thought of as a problem. Your emotions are not the problem. They're not dangerous. They're not here forever. Like all things in life, emotions come and go. In my house, we liken them to clouds. They come and they go. And you'll probably observe, as my then two-year-old mentioned in a moment of deep sadness, sometimes when the clouds come, it rains. But the emotions won't harm you or anyone else, even your children or loved ones. Experiencing all the emotions is living the biggest life. If you don't know darkness, you don't know light. Everything feels gray. And just as all the colors of the rainbow combine into what our eyes interpret as the color white, all the emotions of our world combine into life, the biggest, kindest, most fulfilling life. When you observe your struggle like a scientist, take a snapshot of your inner and outer world, sit with your deepest, uncomfortable emotions, and understand them as an old friend, then take skillful action in the right direction as a pilot, and finally, Rest in knowing your experience is part of the human experience and will allow you to contribute back kindness into others' difficult human experiences as well. When you do these things, guess what? Your suffering eases. Your emotional world stabilizes. Your mom guilt, depression, burnout, anxiety, grief, and anger aren't pulling your mind or your actions. And then you've utilized mindfulness as a remedy for some of life's biggest challenges. Okay, so we've discussed how the process anchored in the story of the scientists in the flight will allow us to connect to the collective human experience and feel less alone and become kinder humans. Let's talk about the pearl or practice in real life offering for this week. This is a practice called Just Like Me, and here's how it works. Take a moment and observe another person doing whatever they are doing. See if you can sense into a feeling or a need that might be motivating this person to do what they are doing. Then, with your mind's voice, state the person's motivation, followed by the phrase, just like me, and sense into what sensations it brings up in your body. So for example, let's say that you see your child really living it up at tap dance. Their face is smiling, and every hop and step has extra energy. Here is what you might say in your mind. My daughter needs joy and play, just like me. And sense into what arises in your body's physical or emotional experience. Wow, I was just thinking of my daughters during their top dance right now as I said this. And um, I experienced the flowing energy down the front of my body. And it feels pretty cool. Okay, here's another example. Let's say that you see a mom at the grocery store wearing a young baby and pushing a crying toddler in her cart. You might say, she needs ease and comfort, just like me. Third example, let's say that your cat won't leave you alone while you're watching TV. You might think, he needs warmth and connection, just like me. One final example, let's say your boss comes to you with a problem about your work performance. You might purposefully think, 
She has to do things she doesn't want to do to keep her job, just like me. Or she needs to rely on people she works with, just like me. If you try this practice, let me know what you notice. Let me know what you observe. Does it give you any ease or not? I'd love to hear about your experience. If you'd like to follow along with a meditation related to today's topic, you can check out the Nourishing Breath Meditation. It's adapted from my teacher, Elisha Goldstein, and there's a 5 and a 12-minute option in the meditation feed linked below. If you're in the village, you can find printables. We've got two printable posters for this week. The first one says, the more I take care of myself, the more I take care of my kids. And it comes with some super mini posters that you can cut apart and put on your bathroom mirror or on your computer or in your planner or anywhere else that you need to remind yourself that it's okay to take care of yourself. Also available in the village is the self-compassion break mini poster as well. And of course, the extended show notes. So I hope you can take away a reason or two from this episode as to how connecting with your struggles can help you not feel so alone, connect with others in your life, and possibly even create a ripple effect of compassion into your world. When you take care of yourself, you take care of the world. And when moms support themselves, they are supporting a whole new generation. Next week, we will start a new monthly course, and the topic will be Managing Mom Life with Mindfulness. For those of you who have been practicing with me for a while, it will be a back to the basics of living with mindfulness month with new material and a new perspective. We will be investigating how mindfulness can help you manage all the things that come along with mom life. If you are listening to this in real time, right now it's the end of February 2023. And if you know a mom who struggles with all the mom life things, please consider sharing this podcast and the upcoming course with her. Next month will be an ideal time to jump in and discover how mindfulness can be incredibly supportive to mom life. Thank you so much for sharing your time and practice with me. May this information benefit you, your loved ones, and moms all over the world. Remember, you are in good company.